Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to Series 3 of the Deliciously Stellar podcast. So I woke up the other day and I realised that I am about to be 30 and I think that I have learned nothing. So I have roped in someone who I have known since I was 13 years old to look back at the past few years and work out why we are none the wiser. Welcome Flick to the Deliciously Stellar podcast. Delighted as always to be here Bella. As you know, each week we are going to be looking at a different topic and what we have learned about it over the years. And this week we are going to be looking at careers, or as Flick likes to call it, on the jobs. So you'd think that by now, at the age of 29, I sort of would have found myself on a stable career trajectory and I would know more about the world of work than I did when I was 22. But I have had a lot of jobs and let me tell you, I know Nothing. The expression, jack of all trades, master of none, has never applied to two girls more. (laughs) So, Flick, what was your first ever job? God, that's going back a long while. I also, just to interrupt, can't help but have Dolly Parton 9 to 5 blaring in my head. So if I slip into soft, dulcet southern tones, apologies. Stumble out of bed and I tumble to the kitchen. It's also my go-to karaoke song at every work party, incidentally, (laughs) which is probably why I have had so many different jobs. (laughs) So, going back to the first job, well, rather than being conventional and doing waitressing or one of those things that most people do to make ends meet, I actually, with my ever love of languages and language schools, decided to become a tour operator along the Thames on a barge, taking Italian students to learn about the historical buildings that you would find. So, the Houses of Parliament, Big Ben, I'm going to run out of more historical buildings... The problem was, was that I slightly oversold my knowledge of Italian. So the idea was that I would interpret the English tour and help them out for the words that they didn't understand. But really, my extent went to what we learnt in school and then at uni. So I'm very good about talking about heavy traffic in the inner city and global warming. Not so good at talking about the architectural wonders of the way the London Eye was constructed. So... Luca, Giovanni, all those other boys out there, get back to your history books, I told you lies. 
I love how school prepares you so absolutely little for the world of work in that they make you focus on these ridiculous topics like I did my Spanish A-level on the running of the bulls in Pamplona and the <laughs> like toros is probably the only word that I can actually say but I, I remember learning it off by heart and not understanding a single word I was saying and I was like how does this even help me I couldn't even go to Spain and use this the thing is for most people I'd say that was useless but there's something about you talking about bulls in Spanish that seems to make total sense for your life <laughs> I mean it's ridiculous like nothing I learn at school applies I mean you were saying earlier that what have we got like a set of Romeo and Juliet spark notes and you know the ability to talk about the decline of the Tory party in Scotland like useless never helped but uh so my first job was that what was yours um so I was yeah traditional route I started waitressing when I was about 16 and let me tell you I am the worst waitress who has ever existed that I have never been destined for a career in the service industry. I am so grumpy. I'm so vile. You know, I hate being nice to people. I'm just the absolute worst. I once got fired um, from a waitressing job for making a child cry. Christ. So I was working in this cafe in Cornwall in a sort of a summer holiday. And this child came in and he took his shoes off. And my boss was like, well, you go and tell him to put his shoes back on. I was like, okay. So I asked him to put his shoes back on. Turn around. He's taking them off again. I was like, God, it's so annoying. Ask him again. Off they go. I was like, right, I've had enough. So he was reading the penultimate Harry Potter, which if you know Harry Potter well, you will know that there's a very exciting ending. And I walked up to him. I slammed his book shut and I went, you know what? Dumbledore dies. Oh my God, you absolute Slytherin. (laughs) I know. And I got fired. And the boss said... um, he said, yeah, we fired Bella because she's an absolute cunt. I have to say, that word is not something that I take lightly. But Harry Potter's spoiler, well deserved. Yeah, no, really well deserved. No, and, and I, I went on to waitress again, actually, for my worst job. So I waitressed when I was at university in a strip club. Um, it was called Blue Velvet. Oh, how luxurious. <laughs> it was absolute luxury and um, I wasn't a stripper and I, I got, got to wear normal clothes but I remember one night I wore quite a low-cut top and a man tried to put coins down my cleavage and I had to turn to him and be like I'm actually not a fucking slot machine I know that it, it's meant to make you sound better saying that you weren't a stripper you just served the strippers and their clientele but it's actually a bit more budget isn't it I mean not good enough what do they say not not I mean, there were two types of strippers in this strip club. Mm-hmm. So there were these really gorgeous sort of like athletic Eastern European strippers. And then there were the sort of the local Geordie strippers. And there was a bit of a war going on. And um, the fatter strippers would dance to Betty Davis eyes very slowly, sort of grinding the pole. And all the really athletic ones who could do all the moves would dance to apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur, with the fur. <laughs> stuff, I just bit my tongue. <laughs> that is vile. So does that take the crown as your worst job yeah no the worst bit of the job it, oh. it gets worse is sometimes there wouldn't be enough staff for someone to be on guard in the sort of back rooms where you go for your private dances so i'd have to walk up and down this corridor making sure that nobody was giving a hand job so my worst job i mean i guess you worked with the clients being pigs but i actually was a pig for a job for much longer than I ever should have been. So to fund my year abroad that I did, aged 18, I worked on the King's Road at Trotter's Children's Wear and Shoe Shop, where I was start right trained as a professional shoe fitter, so that's still an option should I need it. Um, But the logo of Trotter's, as you may know, is a ginormous pig wearing gentlemen's 
country sporting wear, would we call it? Um, he himself is Dunwoody N. Trotter, and when it came to Christmas and they wanted to do some extra promotion, where lots of our friends were working in Tiffany, Joe Malone, along the King's Road being very pretty, I had to put on an enormous fat suit, a giant pig's head, and huge clown-esque shoes, and march up and down the King's Road at the busiest time, shopping, Christmas shopping and all of that, with all those cool boys that I'd been trying to flirt with, shaking a big bowl of chocolate coins and I have to tell you many many Chinese tourists will have me on their mantelpiece somewhere <laughs> I'll never forget you dressed as a pig in tweed so I truly believe that no matter what job you do or where you work in every office there is someone that fulfills a certain criteria to list a few we've got the office mum you know who you are, you're the one that spams the entire office with 100 emails a day saying things like, guys, sorry to nag, but if you do finish the loo paper, please remember to replace it. Just think about everyone when you're doing things like this. XOXO, office mum. Then you've got the fridge thief. Now this person is always, obviously, anonymous. But out there, you know who you are and you know that you do finger swiping in other people's hummus. Then, of course, there's the secret starer or as I like to say, the office perv. Now, this is a real case of a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're the guy that has slightly clammy-looking hands, but you don't talk too much, and always seems to be hanging around the water cooler for a reason that I still don't understand. So, Bella, where would you put yourself in the office? I'm 100% the court jester. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. No, I've never been hired based on my capabilities in my entire life. I've gotten through every interview that I've ever done purely on the back, off the back of being able to make the person interviewing me laugh in some way. But I'm absolutely shameless. I'll tell any story, like whether or not it's appropriate to an interview at all. And uh, I think every sort of MD of every company I've worked at has at some point worked out that someone's hired me for this reason and has had to take them aside and be like, you can't keep Bella here just because you like you think she's funny. Like, she has to do some work. Oh my God, you're the hump day hire. I am. I am, I am the hump day. I'm the hump day hire. Bleak. But I also think that I, I massively have played up to it in the past. I've drawn so much attention to myself. Like I just I can't seem to do anything right. Best jester story? Um, so one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to me at work is I was working for the BBC in the entertainment development team and someone came up to me and he went, Bella, um, are you around this weekend? I was wondering, do you shoot? And I said, yeah, no, of course. I mean, my dad's got an estate in Scotland. He said, Bella, I meant can you use a camera? Oh, my God, I would have been in New Mexico so quickly <laughs> if I had done that. No, it was it was truly mortifying. And it had it'd been like a big build-up. So mm. I was basically, I sat next to someone at a wedding who offered me a job at the BBC. And I mean, I'd probably been fired from something, and that's why I was unemployed. And I was like, yeah, absolutely amazing. So he hired me. And then it transpired that he had hired me because my grandfather had been his MP in the 80s during a teacher strike so severe that my boss could neither write nor count properly and he wanted to enact revenge upon him. Oh, my God. Yeah, and he then, he got up in front of the whole office and he went, my new assistant is so posh, her grandfather signs the banknotes in Scotland. What did you do? Just speechless? I was absolutely speechless. I just sort of sat there and took it. It was so, so embarrassing. That is the best vengeance story I've ever heard. <laughs> so vengeful, but so disaster. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm, I'm obviously the court jester, but what's your office role? Office bicycle. <laughs> office hooker. There you go. Well, not really, but there's just a couple of situations I've got myself into, uh, normally as a result of becoming, as you would say, Bella, white wine werewolf, where 
a kind of afterworks I mean given that I've always worked in sort of startup environments what comes with the territory is you know that kind of work hard play hard young people um, flexible working hours and you all end up going out for team drinks all the time after playing mortifying things like ping pong why is that it now seems to be the stamp of all startups mm. to have some obnoxious table football. table football, table tennis, all of which I'm terrible at because, you know, I'm so left-handed and my right hand is redundant and I have a slightly lazy eye, so never get picked. Um, moving swiftly onwards. So I was about three weeks into a very cool tech startup uh, doing social media. It was quite heavily weighted with men. Um, all of them in their 20s and most of them in kind of slightly higher positions than me. And I remember we were out in Clark and Well or somewhere cool. I remember going to drinks. I remember moving on to that awful place, more sports related, ping pong. Is that what it's called? You know, you drink beer and you play ping pong at the same time. Yes. Not Thai ping pong, I hasten to add. <laughs> and we ended up... Well, I opened my eyes and looked around and I was in my bedroom, lovely, fully clothed, always a relief, but with six of them all in my bedroom. Six colleagues in your bed. Six colleagues in my bed. And it wasn't really my bedroom. It was the bedroom in my parents' house where I was still living. And to this day, I can't tell you what happened, but I lured them back to my mother's lair. And when they all woke up and sheepishly went back downstairs... Not really, like not even really knowing my name. My mum was waiting at the bottom, and she went, "I imagine you belong to my middle daughter." So that was the impression that I gave three weeks into a job. I've got a friend who actually once she went to a work Christmas party, got absolutely hammered, doesn't remember anything, got in the next day, and then was told that she had shagged one of her colleagues in the loo in the pub. Stop. Was it a prank or no? No, no. She a truth. It, it it turned out to be a truth. Was it Craig David? <laughs> She should be so lucky. Still hasn't answered my call on Raya. <laughs> Why have I not matched with you, Craig? We live in hope. Why won't you take me for a drink on a Tuesday? The only man better than Craig would be if Gerard Depardieu was on Raya. Oh yeah, no, that would be the dream. So we've established that in full-time employment, I am a slutty swine <laughs> and you are... I mean, I don't even know. You're a... A lovable a, rogue, I like to think. A lovable rogue slash a stripping jester. <laughs> All horrifying. But we've moved on and now, I guess, hashtag girl bosses. Yeah, no, people would say, I guess, that I'm a hashtag girl boss. But, you know, as you know, I sort of ask myself the regular question. Mm. Am I freelance or am I just unemployed? I find that I, find my, I ask myself that almost every day. Yeah. Out of five working days, how many do you think you feel like that? I'd say at least three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking, you know, back when you do nine to five jobs, you wake up every morning and I used to look at Bramble, my cat, at the end of my bed and think, oh my God, I wish I was you. You're so lucky just lounging here. Now there are mornings, now that I'm a freelancer, where I wake up and look at Bramble and think, oh, I am you. Problem is, that's fine when you're a cat, but I'm a 30-year-old woman. <laughs> so there's a slight problem going on there. See, there are so many positive points to being freelance, you know, like I, I set my own timetable and I get to do amazing things like this and I get to create stuff and I'm so, so incredibly lucky. But also I have to self-start every morning and it can be really, really daunting when there's nothing to look at except a blank page and you know that something's going to have to come out of your brain to keep you employed. Yeah, and I think the thing is escaping full-time work means that you... 
mercifully, um, you know, are relieved from things like KPIs, measurable results, HR meetings, quarterly reviews, and all those things. And, you know, you escape what you think was the bitch or bastard boss who always had such high expectations of you. But I guess when you freelance, you become that bitch boss, don't you, to yourself. And you're probably your harshest critic. No, I'm incredibly hard on myself. I always think I could have done a better job because I guess, for me, every job that I do is an enormous opportunity to generate more work. So there's so so much more pressure, I think, on everything that you do. You know, like sometimes when I was nine to five, I would go in and I'd realise that I hadn't really worked very hard that week, but I would know it'd be fine. I could just, I could make it up. And, you know, the the company wasn't going to implode because I hadn't really been there in mind. Whereas now, you know, my job is myself and the company will implode. (laughs) Yeah, plus every office has an office dunce. Let's be you know, truthful about it. But I guess, again, when you work for yourself, you're also the office dunce. Mm, mm. You're the boss. You're the dunce. Yeah. How many hours of Netflix have you watched this week? I mean, I thought you were going to say today and I was going to honestly answer about three. (laughs) I've been watching this amazing programme, I Love Dick. It's so good. It's on Amazon Prime. Watch it. Yeah. I love that you said you've managed to watch however many hours of I Love Dick today, but then you're not wearing pants today because you haven't had time to do your laundry. (laughs) So, Flick, obviously we now both find ourselves drowning in a sea of freelanceness. But what did you want to be when you were growing up? I have to say, I wasn't an overly ambitious child. I mean, after moving on from wanting to be the tooth fairy, of course, not because I wanted to be a fairy, but because I've always had a fascination in body parts, I actually decided that I just wanted to be a housewife and live in a kind of Beatrix Potter-esque cottage in the country. That hasn't done so well, seeing as I haven't had a date since February. (laughs) Also, not a job flick. This is true, but it feels like one at this point, I tell you that. And what about you? Um, I really, really wanted to be a taxidermist. Mm, But you actually, you might not do it full time, but you're doing better than me because that's just what you do on your dates. Oh yeah, no, sure, I have stuffed a mouse on a date. Absolutely, you keep away from me and my Mr Trotter. (laughs) So that's all from us this week. Next week, we're going to be looking at our work-life balance as we explore the world of clubbing. I'll bring my ID. (laughs) If you're enjoying the new series of the podcast, please do subscribe. You can find us on iTunes or Acast. Or if you want to get in touch directly, you can email me at deliciouslystella at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at deliciouslystella. See you next time. (laughs) 